can't redo it. You can't redo being 22, 23, 24 ever again. So there are no second chances. Uh, and so, you know, you really have to like, you can make changes from year to year, but you do need to want to use your one life to do everything you've ever wanted to do and chase it all. And so for me, that's like family, work, good health, adventure, love, friends, all of these things. And I may not be doing, you know, all of these things every year and will always be shifting, but I do want to like come out of my years on the planet thinking like, you know, wow, I really lived life and it was on my own terms in my own way and like come out of, you know, the whole journey, whenever that's going to be feeling like I'm not going to, you know, feel any sort of regrets or this need to like apologize to anyone about the way I led my life. Hey everyone, welcome to the Power of Why podcast. This is an interview style show that talks to leaders who are purpose-driven. I started to notice a pattern amongst folks who are fulfilled and lived in alignment. They walk different, they know why they spend time doing their work, and they are fueled by impact. I'm so happy that I decided to reach out to Trishala in May of this year, 2019. As you will come to learn, she is intentional with who she is and how she spends her time, always keeping in mind her greater purpose. Trish is kind with her time, generous with her knowledge, and she keeps close to the individuals who mean the most to her. She values people. And one of my favorite lines from her episode was when she said, quote, recognize that you might not know everything, but what you know is enough to make a start and get you closer to where you want to be. The beauty is in starting, end quote. And I really want to highlight the brilliance of daring to be great, which Trish exemplifies in her own way. So what are we waiting for? Let's dive right in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 25 of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Haile, and today I am here with the incredible Trishala Palai. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, it's crazy even how our paths cross. I think I just found you on LinkedIn. Uh, you're doing incredible work in your field um, alongside uh, B Work and uh, B Corp and B Labs. And we got on a call with Sam as well. And mm -hmm. um, you just, you have an incredible wealth of knowledge and you are very purpose-driven, which is why I wanted to chat with you today. So I'll introduce Trishala. Uh, Trishala is Partnerships Manager of AI and Voice Channel Partners at MyPlanet, where she is working with big and emerging tech companies to help the world's most influential organizations take complex business problems and understand where AI can be useful. So her career in tech has made her realize that technology is advancing faster than human wisdom, and to advance our collective knowledge on the challenges of our lifetime, we need to stay closely tied to our communities. Trishala founded a change project called Dialogue Exchange, which enables her to influence change within our communities. And this is a change project that is backed by two leading incubators in Ontario and endorsed by the Ontario government. Uh, you are doubling down on what makes us uniquely human and how you know, we use dialogue as a hard tool to enable society to deal with vast amounts of change in the world. And you're doing some really fascinating research with that. And, 
you know, the way our paths crossed, as I mentioned earlier, was via my interest in Trishala's work with B Corp. She is part of B Lab's Benefit Corporation movement um, as partnerships chair for East Central Canada. And she's part of the University of Waterloo's Social Innovation Discovery Lab and St. Paul's Greenhouse as an advisor. Trishala loves to travel. She speaks on panels. She moderates discussions. She loves tech. She's a foodie. You enjoy to read. And I just found out today that we listen to similar podcasts, which doesn't surprise me at all. Absolutely. And um, she's an all-around boss, like serious boss. And I'm super excited to dive in with you. So thank you again. Thank you. That was a that was a handful of things. <laughs> You're doing a lot. So I hope I um, but I'd, yeah, I'd love for you to, you know, tell us, you know, the nuances about your story, Trishala, and specifically your origin story, like how you grew up and, and what was life like before this journey. Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a lot to sort of uncover there. Um, so yeah, I think growing up, I was exposed to like three distinct cultures. So I'm Indian by origin, my, that's my ethnicity. Um, so grew up in, you know, an Indian family. I never really lived in India, though it's something I, I do want to do at some point in my life. Um, but I grew up across, you know, six or seven different countries in the Middle East, uh, primarily the United Arab Emirates, which is where my, where my parents are there today. I consider it to be home. Um, and so I did much of my, you know, high school and primary and secondary education there. Uh, and then in 2012, I moved to Canada um, to study at the University of Waterloo. And so I think my whole life uh, sort of revolves around um, what I've seen growing up across these three distinct cultures, um, some of the gaps I've seen in sort of perspectives and um, my whole career today is really just connecting the dots in a lot of across a lot of experiences and sort of micro um, moments that I've experienced in my life. And so uh, I think today when I look back at the past 25 years, um, it's really the fruit or the outcome of that, just connecting the dots. And um, yeah, I'm happy to dive into specific questions, but um, it's been a great journey and I wouldn't change a thing about it. I think today I'm in a position where I'm truly doing um, everything that I want to do, everything that, you know, truly resonates with me on a values level as an individual. Um, and uh, it's a very, very fulfilling feeling. I love that. And you talk about being a third culture kid too, <laughs> which I found. Yeah. I love going through, especially Twitter, I find it um, gives such deep insight into what your passions are, what you enjoy reading and, and that sort of thing. But you talk about third, being a third culture kid. What, what is that? What is that? Can yeah. you talk about it? So to me, it's, it's, and you know, it's actually a growing part of the world, like a growing proportion of people um, now relate to being a third culture kid, just because of how, you know, displaced some of us are and dispersed our families are. Um, I think for me, being a third culture kid is really about having exposure to a lot of cultures outside of my own. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's the things you you learn of, the the conversations you have, the cultural nuances, um, which are so different, uh, how people communicate across different cultures. Yeah. Um, you know, the the stigma is the way people operate. And it's just, it's so different. And it really makes you recognize and value how, um, you know, your experiences on earth can be so different based off of where you grew up and where you live and all these little things that are sometimes beyond our control. Um, so it's been fascinating. I mean, I it's how I see the world really. Um, I have a very sort of blended merged worldview. Um, for me, like everything I do or think of is at a global sort of level Mm. because 
um, I recognize that even though, you know, the world is so, so big, um, you know, physically, and we're all so far apart, and there's, there's so many people and so many countries, um, we're actually, you know, also, it's a very small world, and the challenges are universal, uh, very similar. Um, you know, it's different people trying to solve the same problems across the country. And so there's a need to definitely rally a global community. Um, and so that's just how I look at the world. And um, yeah, a lot of the experiences I've had as a third culture kid um, has just truly uh, helped me bring a unique insight and perspective to some of the problems I'm solving today. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really love about your story and your perspective, because I think, you know, you talk about your love for technology, too. And I'd love for you to, to delve into what you, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do by day, how its integration between AI, the tech space and your work with My Planet in Toronto. Yeah, so I actually really look at, um, you know, what I do as as all the different things like B Corp, advisory position with St. Paul's Greenhouse, Dialogue Exchange, My Planet. I really just look at each one as an instance or um, a moment within this larger sort of career that I'm looking to build. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, all four of the experiences are more than a job to me. And they all, in a weird way, though they're distinct to one another, um, they are they very much sort of align and merge and are helping. They feed each other though at the same time too. Yeah, they really, really do. So it's, um, you know, though some people can look at it as like, I have a career in tech and I also do all this B Corp stuff. Um, I really just look at it as like, there are, you know, four different avenues that are helping me go Mm. towards one goal. So, you know, at my planet, it's a software studio. We're building what we call smarter interfaces. So it's any application with a level of intelligence or AI embedded into it. Um, and I'm working specifically with Fortune 500s to apply, like you said, AI to complex enterprise problems. Um, but what people don't recognize is that deploying artificial intelligence is, you know, as much business as it is technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge, huge opportunity, more than there's been historically, I would argue, um, for individuals in non-traditional backgrounds to contribute very actively to this sector. Um, And that's what I do. That's how I contribute. So my role is technology partnerships. So that involves scaling, commercializing, and growing um, my planet's relationships with the platforms that we work with. Um, So that's both, you know, big and emerging technology companies uh, and going to market with these companies together. So companies like IBM, Google, Amazon. um, I have, you know, very uniquely positioned myself um, through my work with my planet to be, you know, a fly in the wall of these really fascinating companies, you know, that operate so differently. And there are so many, you know, things going on inside these big technology companies that just, it's fascinating. It's been a lot of learning. Um, And I'm essentially working with these companies to just apply their technology. So say a Google Assistant, Alexa, um, two business problems we see in our conversations with clients. Um, So that's what I'm doing at MyPlanet. And I'm very much approaching AI from this interdisciplinary social context. Uh, And I'm really grateful I get to work with the best people I've ever met um, Mm -hmm. at MyPlanet to make that happen. Um, and but my planet is also where I was, you know, primarily exposed to the B Corp side of things. Um, so when I was looking at tech companies to work at in Toronto, um, I knew that I wanted to, you know, I had experienced like drinking the Kool Aid at another tech company um, in the city, and I'd experienced, um, you know, what it was like to work for a fascinating, high growth tech startup. And I wanted to, you know, that was a great experience. I loved it. I, I delved into it and immersed myself into all the learning, but I did want to choose an experience that was more values aligned that allowed me to, um, you know, not just be a part of building a business, 
business, but really build a business without losing, um, you know, your own soul or your company's soul. Mm. Uh, and that's when I discovered that my planet was a B Corp. And I found that really fascinating because lot, not a lot of technology companies are B Corps. It's not, you know, something they think of by default. Um, it's not something that is in any way sort of validated by the tech community. There's no incentive to really pursue the B Corp certification. So that really intrigued me and I wondered, okay, what is the sort of incentive for my planet to be a B Corp? Um, and that's when, you know, I joined the company, I got really immersed into the B Corp community um, and I started to really like just look internally at my planet's operations as well and, and recognize that, you know, though we're not a environmental services company or a not-for-profit or, you know, a company that you can directly sort of map to addressing a social problem, um, there's so much that we do in a, at a company level in terms of, you know, how we treat our staff and um, the little considerations we um, take in terms of, you know, like food composting and, um, you know, uh, really amplifying your value system and mindfulness and all these different things. Like there's so many things that can make a company a really great place to work for employees and a great place for the overall local community as well. Uh, and so that's how I got exposed to the B Corp community. I started, you know, um, meeting a lot of incredible companies like Patagonia and Diva Cup and, um, you know, the Alinker, all these amazing companies that um, are a new kind of business that balance purpose and profit in their own way. Um, and they're also legally required to consider the impact of their decisions on, right. you know, their workers and customers. Yeah. There's a whole different realm of sort of accountability associated with the B Corp movement, which I found really fascinating. But also, you know, I do see that as being the new normal in a couple of years, if not now. I mean, we're already hearing a lot of talk and coverage around the business roundtable and Fortune 500 executives and leaders committing to the belief that we can shift from shareholder primacy to stakeholder primacy. Mm. Um, so all of that is great, but I think the B Corp certification takes it one step further from saying, you know, it's great that you believe that, but um, your actions need to align with align. that. Yeah. There's a way you can keep yourself accountable. So, um, so the B Corp stuff is really for me, like how I feel fulfilled in my day to day and how I really think we can make a change in the world because, you know, for uh, uh, profit, corporate organizations, you know, they have so much power and money and wealth and influence in our community. Um, and so if we don't tap into that to create change, uh, it's a huge like untapped missed opportunity. So um, through my work with B Corp and Greenhouse and also the Dialogue Exchange, you know, that's the projects that keep me close to the community. Um, and my planet is a B Corp, you know, I'm constantly exposed to. We're building all this great technology and there's so much potential for AI to transform how, um, you know, the future of work and how our societies operate and function, but I'm constantly mindful of sort of, you know, what, what are the intended and unintended consequences of the technology we're creating. And I'm really glad to be a part of a tech company that's fostering that kind of a conversation and allowing me to explore those questions um, in my own time, uh, which is really, really helpful. That's incredible. I, it, it's quite amazing, actually, like when you were describing how all of these different components do in fact feed into each other and that's how i look at you know life in general as mm -hmm. well like when you are coming from a place slash know what your values are and what mm -hmm. drives you these you're gravitating towards these things so that transition i'm curious that transitions from that other tech company to where you are at my planet what exactly were you looking for slash was this an opportunity that kind of came to you and you're like, huh, okay, maybe it is time to make a shift. 
Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, um, the last company I was at was my first job out of school. Um, it was, you know, working for a really, really high growth technology company. And so I really like immersed myself into the experience completely. I was also very young, um, you know, and restless and ambitious and I wanted to do a lot. So I always tell, you know, a lot of people that I meet that I kind of grew up, grew up as an adult and just like in terms of maturing and, and understanding, you know, what's important to me, what I enjoy, I don't enjoy. A lot of that happened in my first job. Um, and I was lucky, you know, some people experience that much later on in their career. Um, I'm really, really grateful and so thankful to have had that experience right at the start of my career, um, working for one of Canada's sort of like technology unicorns. And, you know, it really set me up for success. But coming out of that experience, I think, <clears throat> you know, your first job, you're very excited and passionate and you want to sort of you know you treat it like it's your own company you want to really really make a change at least that's how I felt um, and then I realized coming out of that that you can't you know in any situation put all your stones into one sort of box or basket and um, it's important to sort of um, you know not be so attached to a job but think of it in a broader sense in terms of you know the skills that you want to develop and what is all of this ultimately leading towards that makes it a lot less, you know, overwhelming. It's less pressure. Um, yeah. And you, I know for me, at least personally, I, I felt like I was performing better when I relieved myself of sort of the burden of like, you know, this is a very high stake job. And this is what determines and defines my self worth. And, you know, it's really important to, to address um, that feeling. And so how I address that um, is, you know, moving from that company and looking at other opportunities in my career, I really wanted to make sure that I completely shifted from that. It comes back to what I mentioned earlier, like looking at your career as being a job versus this like beautiful sort of canvas and you're painting it with different strokes. Each stroke is a different experience. Like I really, you know, changing that, that mindset shift um, really, really helps you stay open. It helps you feel relaxed. Um, it helps you just, uh, it opens your mind to um, just a lot of creative ideas possible. and possibilities. Absolutely. So, so I think that was one of the fundamental changes I experienced where I went from sort of, you know, making my whole life and everything, you know, um, was based off of this one job to now like really um, diversifying. You, you can look at it as diversifying my risk or, um, you know, like tying my self-worth worth to multiple things so that if one experience or one challenge doesn't work out for me. I have a few others to kind of fall back on. Um, it's it's kind of like a coping mechanism, if you, <laughs> if you want. But but I really really enjoy it because you know if I have a tough day at work and work is always challenging. If I have a tough day at my planet, for instance, you know a project isn't going well or um, I'm not able to wrap my head around an aspect of the technology. Um, it's always so great to you know uh, switch gears and maybe work on my dialogue exchange stuff for a bit mm -hmm. or the B Corp work and. And then revisit my my planet work with a fresh set of eyes and and it just like it, overall it makes me very productive it's it's a method that i find really works for me so so yeah i think that was one of the shifts that happened um and then i guess you 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 as you learn more and the more you see of the world and kind of um the more you experience both personally and professionally it really does 
open your eyes to sort of um, like what's important to you. So for me, you know, I started my career in sales. So it was hardcore software outbound sales. And I actually would recommend that to anyone who's looking to build their own business in the future and be an entrepreneur. You know, sales is just so fundamental to, to just so many things. It's such an important life skill set and, you know, business skill set to adopt and learn. And so, you know, I enjoyed sales. I loved business development and, um, you know, feeling like you're growing the company because you're directly responsible for you know revenue and it's the deals or the opportunities you're seeking and closing that's helping other people in the company you know work on problems that they find exciting so it's a really empowering feeling um, but I realized you know I'm not a very transactional person and I'm geared towards the relationship building side uh, and so for me I thought okay you know what partnerships might be a better fit for me and so I think leaning into what I'm good at um, which was sales at the time as an entry to like a specific industry or vertical and then slowly building and expanding from there um, is what's really been very helpful for me in my career. So I started with sales where, and then in that opportunity, I picked up a bit of experience in partnerships or was exposed to partnerships. Uh, and then ultimately that opened up a role for me in partnerships at my planet. And now at my planet, you know, I'm pursuing partnerships full time and really like honing my craft and getting good at it. Um, but I'm also, you know, receiving coaching and training to build up my domain knowledge and understand, you know, right. what is voice technology. And so, um, you know, in, with each experience, you're getting really good at what you wanted to get good at and then piggybacking off of it and learning something that opens even more doors for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of how I've approached it. And for me, like, I think a lot of it comes down to being a self-starter and taking a lot of initiative. Like, you have to really love what you're doing or want to feel like you want to be get better at it because, um, you know, keeping yourself motivated, especially in today's day and age where there's a lot of competition and, you know, it's stressful and there's, you know, companies are growing very quickly, especially if you're in a technology uh, company or, or working directly in the tech sector. You need to stay on top of your game and that takes a lot of self-motivation, I find. So that's definitely been something that's helped me in my career. I love that. A few things. So you talked about, because I've heard, I, you've painted a really nice visual of seeing your career as a canvas. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an interview with, it might have been Indra, Indra Puya. And she was talking, so she's a former uh, CEO of PepsiCo. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about seeing... Yeah, 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 Ingenui, exactly. Um, and so she talked about seeing your career as a jungle gym, not this ladder that you're climbing step by step to make it Absolutely. to the quote unquote top. And, you know, so moving laterally, taking different opportunities in different industries, or even within the same company and just trying something different. There's this sense of like liberation that comes from really following the things that interest you. and a lot of the, the the dots that you were able to connect, Trishala, is because you were listening to what you, what interests you. What are you doing when time completely passes? You know, what is your skill set, your strengths, right? This is these yeah. are all things that build your self awareness, right? Absolutely, and I I really feel like you you do have to to a certain extent, you know, want it. 
Um, right. Your career is just a matter of, you know, survival. And there are, and that's totally fine and normal. You know, there's some people who look at their careers as just a nine to five and, you know, that's what they want. And um, it's literally a means to, you know, pay your bills and, and earn a living. Um, and that's an absolutely normal, fine way to look at your career. But if you really want to, you know, push yourself and, and um, you know, really see like and explore what your potential is in this world and what you can do, you definitely need to want that. And you have to motivate yourself and constantly. Um, and you have to really, you know, like I look at my career and I think it's it's really been a lot of deliberate, calculated steps. Like it's something that I've had a lot of control over. Um, you know, I've made a lot of deliberate choices, very calculated, you know, decisions. And like, it's, it's something I, I put a lot of thought into. Um, and that's really, really important. Like if you, even if you, it's, is, you know, something like launching a podcast or, you know, setting up a website for your personal brand or any little project you look at, you have to, it's just a bunch of like, it, it happens or it, it, the project will see itself through um, when you make those deliberate choices every step of the, the day, uh, the way, sorry. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that's a really important factor. Another thing is for me as well, in terms of like what motivates me and drives me um, in my career, I think a lot of circumstance also plays into it. Um, so I know that, you know, I didn't necessarily, I mean, I chose to come to Canada for school, but it was something that um, I felt I had to do. You know, there aren't a lot of postgraduate universities um, that are, you know, international institutions in Dubai um, where I grew up. So more often, often than not, a lot of children end up, you know, opting for US or Canada or Australia, the UK, um, to go to complete their postgraduate studies and, you know, complete their degrees in education. And so for me, like, at least definitely not initially. Um, but I did feel like maybe like this, this, like I was on a mission, like I left a great deal of things back home, like, you know, family, comfort, familiarity, that feeling of home and support, which meant a lot to me. Um, I left a lot of those things behind to pursue a future here. And so I truly felt like I had to, you know, make this experience count and mm -hmm. focus all my energy and time towards things that make me feel, um, you know, good and, and like when I look back in five to 10 years, um, it'll make me feel like, you know what, it was worth it overall. And so while that's not why I continue to do what I do today and like, you know, it's not what drives me every day today, um, it definitely did give me that initial push and really, really um, make me value and feel super grateful for the opportunity my parents gave me to come here and broaden my worldview uh, and challenge myself. And I don't take that you know, lightly. Um, so, so I really, really think that um, a lot of focusing my energy and time has come down to um, that self-awareness piece of, of understanding, you know, where I come from and the sacrifices maybe, maybe my parents or family had to make uh, to put me in a position today to really um, be my own person and independently uh, chase the experiences I want. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate you talking about your parents too because that's such a a running dialogue around you know personally as well what drives my desire to do more and it's because we see what our parents have you know sacrificed for us right oh absolutely and yeah i mean my 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 parents were uh first generation um, immigrants to Dubai and, you know, seeing, I guess, like that lifestyle of how hard they worked, you know, yeah. my mom worked very hard 
at home uh, to, you know, keep us all together, to really like, you know, to pick up all the home responsibilities, um, which was a lot. And then seeing my dad, you know, be the primary breadwinner and the stress that that brings, or, you know, I didn't recognize it because my dad also had a career in sales and I never, you know, recognized how stressful it must have been when, you know, your, your income depends on your targets that you hit mm -hmm. at work. And if you're the primary breadwinner and you know you've had a stressful month or it's a difficult quarter the direct impact that has on on you as a person and how stressed you're feeling you know it can be a really overwhelming isolating feeling and i never understood that until i joined sales um and i yeah. had some really really long stressful days and terrible terrible quarters um, and I was like, wow, I mean, this is stressful and I just have to fend for myself. <laughs> so I can only imagine how family too. <laughs> yeah, how difficult it must have been for my dad. So it really makes you like appreciate um, the little and big sacrifices uh, they've made. And, and I guess like it's, a, it's that immigrant sort of um, dilemma or like the ultimate truth is that you just you get used to. Uh, defaulting to hard work for everything. <laughs> I truly think that yeah. I can get myself out of any situation if I work hard. Um, mm -hmm. And more often than not, like while there are some things you just cannot control and it's beyond your control, um, hard work solves a lot of things and it can get you out of a lot of holes and it can really, really, you know, change your life completely if you just keep going at what you want and you stay focused on that path and you're you just you give everything your best shot you know it's it's the least you owe to yourself I think mm -hmm. that's incredible and you know what like this the seeds that you are sowing right now in your 20s is going to allow you to build the life that you want to see in your 30s 40s 50s so I, I, I completely agree with this you talked earlier about you being very intentional about the moves that you that you make and being very calculated what I'm curious when you are making decisions, whether it's in your career or personal life, what is your what is your process around decision making and what gets you to say yes or no to opportunities, whether they come or the ones that you're seeking out? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think for me, like the when it comes to making like deliberate choices that um, it's a lot of it ultimately comes down to self awareness. Um, and I think it's something you know, I've seen you preach and speak of in your podcast and the work that you do. Um, and it's super underplayed, but it's such an important like I think, getting better at being more self aware is a mm -hmm. single one thing that can really change your life uh, and so for me a lot of that is like coming to you know personal and professional life i really look at it as kind of a blended um scenario it's i find it very very difficult just given how passionate i am about my work oh, it's not black and white oh for oh, sure oh yeah so i find it <laughs> difficult so like a lot of you know the way i behave in my professional life is, yeah. is who i am in all aspects of my life and so for me like you know, and that's a privilege, by the way. That is yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, it takes it takes, you know, work. Like I think um, yeah. for me, self-awareness means so many things. As a person, I'm very uh, extroverted. Um, I'm sorry, I'm a very extroverted introvert. So my career is very social. Uh, it demands me to be very, you know, present and talkative and just out there constantly. Um, but in my personal life, I'm actually very, very introverted. Like I do not 
um, gain energy from interacting with people. Right. And so because of that, you know, when you want a very social career and you want to be speaking on, you know, stages and connecting with people and working with communities and you're constantly feeling drained because that's not how you gain energy, there are sacrifices that you make along the way in your personal life. Um, and that sort of thinking governs a lot of your choices. So like, for instance, I need a lot of me time. So like, I cannot spend every day of the weekend, you know, around people. I need right. like Sundays just like Same. to myself to prep for the week and like completely just immerse myself in like a lot of me time. That That's what keeps me going for like arguably the whole week. So there are a lot of choices that you have to make and, and um, you know, trade-offs like to gain, uh, to like you, well, you know, there's a lot of talk around like, can we have it all? And like, I don't look at this as just like, can women have it all? I really just think of it as like, can anyone have it all? And to me, the answer is like there, you can't really have everything at all points in time. Um, but you can have some things at some times and other things at other times. And it's like constantly like this pendulum that's sort of swinging. So in terms of like coming back to answering your original question around like decision making. So one thing is the self awareness, it's constantly like tuning in with yourself to think of, you know, what you need, how are you feeling, you know, it's really, really important to check in with yourself. And that's something I think I've done um, pretty well for quite a few years now. Um, especially what does that mean for you checking in with yourself? Is that journaling? is that yeah so for me it's a lot of journaling but that's recent I never used to use journaling as like an outlet but I found in recent years it's been very very helpful to sort of journal and and um it just it, it when you look back I think it's journaling is a great way to sort of track your um self-growth as well mm, okay. um so I have like the memory of a fish nothing will stay in my head but <laughs> back at my journal and seeing you know what I thought at a particular moment of time and like you can really look at um find and identify trends and like you know um, you just learn so much about how you've grown over time. And so journaling, I find great. Um, but checking in with myself is also like, you know, um, in 2017 and to maybe like half of 2018 or towards the end of 2018, I went through like severe, severe burnout um, because I was, you know, completely overworking myself and putting a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and software sales is, you know, difficult. And a lot of the pressure you put is in your own head. Um, and so, you know, burnout for me, I think it took me a solid two years to recover from that. It wasn't... Wow. Uh, it was two years of just like constantly feeling exhausted and I didn't see it coming. Like I kept working on overdrive mode. Uh, I just did not see it coming until I felt so exhausted for a very long time and didn't know, you know, how to get out of it. And so going through an experience like that, like checking in with myself also means like recognizing those signs. So now mm -hmm. like I know that if I'm starting to feel in the slightest, some sort of sense of burnout or feeling tired, um, I know, you know, well in advance to make some changes versus like waiting for it to happen. Um, so sometimes it can even be as simple as like, you know, asking yourself in your mind, like, am I feeling okay? And, yeah. and out for the resources um, that you need. I mean, you know, with the internet, there are so many places that you can go to for advice, for help, people you can talk to. You know, there's so many resources like therapy and so many things you can lean into to, to help you with that. Um, but yeah, the self-awareness is such a big piece of decision making. And then the second thing is also prioritizing. So for me, um, this is something I've learned more in, in the recent years, but ruthless prioritization is like something I strive towards. Um, it's just like knowing exactly when you need to prioritize something that needs to get done. Um, you know, and, and like, 
putting, I guess, like placing every activity in a list in terms of like what needs to get done versus what's nice to get done. It just, it's a great easy way to sort of navigate your life and, and um, not feel overwhelmed or uh, just like stressed out, I guess. So prioritizing. Yeah has really helped me with decision making, you know, starting every day with, okay, what do I really, really need to get done today? Um, and, you know, what's going to really um, not, not go well for me at all if I do not complete something today? And like, you know, really approaching decision making from a sense of like prioritizing key tasks. Um, that's been really, really, really helpful in my process. Um, and then the last aspect is really like maintaining a balance. So in my day-to-day -day decisions that I make across, you know, personal and professional commitments, um, I'm definitely constantly thinking of like, okay, what's going to, in a given day, satisfy my personal and professional needs. So, you know, personal needs can be something like quality time spent with your friends and family, um, you know, time to work out, uh, eat healthy and cook a meal at home. Uh, and then professional needs is like, you know, um, coaching or mentorship at work, like it's really about the balance element I think has, has really resonated with me over the past couple of years. Um, and that's something that is constantly in the back of my mind when I make decisions as well. It's like, mm -hmm. what's going to, am I going to have a day that's sort of overloaded with just, you know, work and getting things done? Um, or am I also making decisions in my day to day that's going to maintain that balance for me? I think those are three really core um, considerations I have when I make decisions. I love that. And it's funny, one of the tweets that you made, you're right, your 2018 to-do list is delete, grind, hustle, and disrupt from my mental dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> with balance consistently and ruthless prioritization. I freaking love that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think that, that tweet came out of just, like, feeling frustrated. I think yeah. working with technology, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't say tech sector, I guess, because every company is a technology company today. Yeah. Yeah. In, a lot of people who work in technology, um, they, you know, are constantly sort of spreading this rhetoric or narrative of like, you know, hustle and grind and like, mm -hmm. it just doesn't sit well with me. And I think someone in the public sphere who really, really um, amplifies that or, or, you know, amplifies a message that contradicts that traditional hustle kind of narrative um, is the co-founder of Reddit, um, Alexis, I forget his last O'Hanan. name. O'Hanian. Yeah. Yes. He Serena is, Williams' husband. Yes, he is just, I, I love that you refer to him as Serena Williams' husband. <laughs> They're such a, an incredible um, like couple and role model for men and women. I, I look right. up to both of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's someone who, you know, is constantly writing blogs or articles or giving talks on the need to like really strive for balance and prioritization and like yeah. not get caught up in this whole hustle narrative. Um, I just think it's so, and you know, learning to take time off when you need it, like there's, I think historically been like a routine or, um, you know, like a, a cookie cutter methodology to how you can be successful. Um, and I love that there are people like him and many, many others now, um, who are rising, who don't subscribe to that mentality and are doing really, really well for themselves. Um, and those are the kind of people I look up to because I, I really think that like, um, hustle and grind is great for short term. Um, but if you're looking for long-term growth and that's what I'm after, like I want to have a really, really, really long, beautiful, fulfilling career, not, you know, a short term, 
career where I'm just, you know, making um, good money for a short period of time, maybe doing some meaningful work, and then I call it a day. Like, while some people make that choice, and it's a very respectful choice to make, um, it's not my personal choice. And so for someone who's chasing, you know, a long, beautiful career and, and wants to do something meaningful over a significant span of time, um, the hustle and grind is just not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need, you know, to take more time off. I need, like, a lot of you know, mini breaks, I need uh, to finish my day at 5 or 6pm and then revisit it the next day in the morning with a fresh set of eyes. You know, that's what I do to make me more productive and to make me feel fulfilled every day. Um, and I think we do need a lot more people to, to amplify that message. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And this long term thinking of building sustainable, it's the long game, right? And I think if you want to be involved with fruitful work, you need to take care of yourself first because none of this is going to function and continue if you're not working. And so I totally agree with your thinking around this and how you've navigated your career as well. Um, Because you're still early, very early in your career. And so to... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Same, same. I graduated from school two years ago. And so, you know, being able to think like this and prioritize your health, you're really laying down like a really solid foundation for future growth and continued growth. So I I completely agree. And I love that. I I love how you approach the whole decision making uh, concept and, and your process with that. When it comes to the long game, do you, what do you subscribe to when you're thinking about how you're going to reconstruct the future? Do you think, okay, in 40 years, 50 years, I want to do this, which means I'm going to work backwards to see what makes sense for today? I've actually like never been a planner per se. Um, I've always been very focused on sort of like the moment or the experience in front of me. Um, And I think that's really, you know, that's the one thing that has kind of helped me navigate a lot of experiences. So like, I, I, I guess at some point in my life was someone who had my eyes set on like, you know, the next four, five, 10, 15 years. But the reality is that the world is moving and changing so, so quickly that if you marry, you know, yourself and your passion and ambition and everything to like a 40 year vision or like an even a five year or 10 year vision, um, I've personally experienced that, you know, you're so set on that one goal that you forget to look around you and the opportunities that might be there for you, you know, at that time yeah at that time and and Mm -hmm. those are really you know that's where i spend a lot of my time is like looking at the opportunities that are right now you know right here next to me um because that's what leads to another opportunity which leads Mm. to another opportunity um and so like i don't yeah i really genuinely don't because i i keep thinking like i guess like 16 year olds me um if i with my limited worldview at that time and obviously i've grown so much of a as a person over the past like five six years but if like 16 year old me was attached to this idea of like what i want to do in 10 years i don't think i would have ever found myself in technology or (laughs) you know because i 16 year old me wanted to study psychology at the university of waterloo or probably not even psychology i think i wanted to do like architectural engineering then so like you know you have to allow yourself to have a change of mind and opinion. And that's something I actually feel very strongly about because I think like society in general looks at changing your mind or your interests or, you know, um, 
yeah, like just any sort or the of bad thing as a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. In fact, I think that's like being so another sign of being self-aware and right. responding to, um, you know, something that you've experienced or something you're feeling. So like, I know I've had like, you know, 16 year old me wanted to do architecture. Then I pounced into psychology. Then I ultimately settled down in economics. And I was like, okay, this is something that I think is will expand my worldview and still keeps my options like relatively open. So for me, like a core theme in my career, it's less about having like a five year, 10 year goal. And it's always been like, stay open, like constantly be aware and alert of the opportunities that exist around you and, and use each one as sort of um, like a commit to that experience. So for instance, like for me in university, it was TEDx. Like I really, didn't choose any other opportunity to invest in, you know, there were a few miscellaneous like school clubs that I was a part of here and there. But once I found TEDx, I was like, okay, now this is an opportunity that really resonates with me. Here's an opportunity where I think I can actually build a really, really awesome network of people because, you know, no one will reject a call or a LinkedIn email from a TEDx organizer. And that really, really like, worked in terms of helping me connect with people I've always wanted to connect with. Uh, and so like, I just immersed myself completely in that experience and, and, you know, ended up working with this brilliant team to craft like one of the best like TEDx um, experiences I could have ever asked for, um, you know, worked with the most brilliant people who are still so close to me, um, you know, five years on four, four years on from the event. Uh, and so like, you know, it's really about committing to that experience in front of you, because if you're constantly thinking of like, what's going to be after this, what am I going to do in five years, 10 years, you lose out on what's directly in front of you. Um, and I really like apply that thinking to not just professional commitments and experiences, but even your personal life. Like it's really about being present in that one experience, um, identifying gaps or opportunities that exist like in that moment and then building off from there. So I don't have any, you know, five year, 10 year plan. I have a lot of passion and interest and different things I want to experience in my lifetime, but there's no, um, you know, roadmap or, um, I'm not marrying myself to any sort of timeline. I've really just been like going with, um, whatever feels right to me and whatever I feel ready and capable to sort of take on. Um, and that served me well. Mm-hmm. Have you read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle? <laughs> I have, I have. Yeah, I'm reading it right now, and this is the chapter that I'm in. <laughs> and so right. it's, it's I mean, fascinating. Another great book to read after you read that is 10% Happier by Dan Harris. Um, okay. It's basically uh, a story of a journalist who was very critical of like mindfulness and meditation um, and just like the power of now and all these like, um, you know, mindfulness gurus on the internet and, and in around the world um, and how he, it, the whole book is really his journey of like being skeptical of these people. Um, and then how he sits down and has honest conversations with, with each of them and ultimately comes to his own conclusion on what it means to be like a mindful person or live mm. in a mindful way. Um, yeah. and like being really deliberate and purposeful with how you lead your life. It's a, it's a great read, but, um, but yeah, I love that book. It's incredible. And so I'm very much into meditation and like yoga was the thing that introduced me to that. And so when it comes to making decisions and, you know, you talked, I really appreciate how much you talked about self-awareness too. I don't think you're able to fully be present in the now, understand what your intuition and your gut is telling you if you don't know what you want slash yeah. 
you know, what your values are, what are the things that light your soul on fire? Like those are the pulls that you're getting and you're able to listen. Like your intuition, your gut tells you everything that you need to know, but because we're not in tune with it, it, it's almost like a whisper that you can't hear. And so I, I love like the more that you get to know yourself and date, you know, Trishala, you learn about what makes you tick what that what those tugs are and you gravitate to them and that's that's what like if you talk about you know living life on purpose like what what exactly does that mean to you yeah I think I think for me like living life on purpose is like um it's a couple things so what you said right now in terms of really being like knowing your values has been like so core to how I navigate and live my life. Um, like, and it's something that I've, I've tried to be very crystal clear on though it evolves. And then like my value set is always expanding or my definitions of what each value means is constantly you know, getting clearer. Yeah. Um, for, for me, like the value set is just so important. And I found that like, um, you know, you go through, I think everyone goes through a phase early on in their career, um, or even, you know, um, based off of circumstance where sometimes you pursue experiences that do not align directly with your values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's when I feel the sense of like, just like a lack of harmony. And, and I feel yeah. like what I'm preaching and what I'm, you know, practicing and acting are just like totally operating in a different realm and sphere. Um, and that makes me feel quite conflicted and unhappy and like not fulfilled at all. And so for me, in terms of like what it means to live a life on like deliberately and really like be purposeful, um, comes back to like what what's really important to me as a person what kind of life do I want to lead and person do I want to be and then I you kind of design your life around that um, in terms of like your professional experiences or where you want to live or how you want to live like it all kind of works around that value set um, but to your point I think it's it's so important to like know what you want from your experiences and that's something like I've always been very like retrospective as a person and explored um, these questions from like a very very young age and I, I'm coming back to like speaking about our parents like I grew up in like you know a South Asian household where your parents really value like education and they really want to see you be independent you know have develop your own opinion and like um, thought on a multitude of different topics and so that really really pushed me at a very young age to sort of explore a lot of like um, questions that were higher level and like um, I didn't realize then would really really define like how I lead my life today and so like for me it comes back to like when I think of like how am uh, how did I decide to sort of like lead this life or like what powers it um, it comes back to sort of how I see the world and that worldview I was talking about of like mm-hmm. the whole world being like one large community for me. And like, that's really what drives me. It's this feeling of like, if we're going to make the world a better place through a product service or approach, like I want to be a reason or a person contributing to a team that's trying to scale that to as many people as possible to make it better for as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, those are the things that sort of drive me and motivate me in my life um, and kind of keep me on my feet and make sure that I'm constantly, um, brain checking or like uh, double checking that I'm living in alignment with my values. Um, So like a a great story, I guess, like I was speaking to um, my career coach the other day and we were talking about how I've been, and this might be like an off topic story, but I think it's- No, please share. 
aligns to your overall question. Um, but we were talking about how I've been struggling to find a hobby that is like non-work related. Because um, mm -hmm. everything I do, you know, seems to in some way fit in that canvas and it's like getting <laughs> to this beautiful painting. Yeah. Um, but I'm like trying to figure out like, okay, what is that like one color or that's, that's something that I can splash onto that canvas that is different and, you know, not tied to the painting. Um, and I'm, I've been really struggling with that. And I, I purchased a ukulele and I thought, okay, this is going to be a great hobby. Um, I'm going to start the ukulele. Um, but I just like was not enjoying it. So we dug mm. deeper it and you know he asked me what makes me gravitate towards the experiences that are already on my plate so say you know b corp dialogue exchange um stream paul's greenhouse my planet and we noticed that there was this like overarching trend of wanting um to be a part of things that are tied to something larger and meaningful and feeling like i'm contributing to something and so for like for some people that may be like a weird you know, concept to grasp because it's like, you know, just pick up an instrument and learn it. Like it's a hobby, but it's really about your wiring as a person, I feel, and coming to terms with that. And so the second my coach said, you know, um, if it was something like a group say that was like ukuleles for peace, does that sound? <laughs> I and love I, that. Yeah, and I, I laughed and I was like, actually, yeah, that sounds a lot more interesting. Like I immediately connected with that broader vision and mission. Um, so I think it's really important as early on in your life or like to constantly just really come to terms with like who you are as a person. Um, like I remember when I was like maybe 12 or 13, my sister was work shadowing because we had this thing in school where you, um, you know, at a very young age, you work shadow um, an employee at a company that you want to work at or in a field that you're interested in and you just like shadow them for a week it was a part of high school so my mom and I like dropped her off to work and I said like mom I just can't believe ever like waking up at 9 a.m. going to work sitting at a desk then coming home at 5 p.m. and waking up the next day and like repeating the whole cycle yeah. yeah all over again and my mom like really challenged me on that and she said like you know yes but everyone has to do it you're gonna have to do it at some point as well and like I remember saying to her really distinctly like I know but I don't think like I'll ever be able to lead that kind of life um so I really felt strongly uh from the start about like utilizing my time on this earth and that is like really what motivates me every day to live a very deliberate life. Like I understand there are some things that are just beyond your control, but you have like this one shot um, and you know, at life and you can't redo it. You can't redo being 22, 23, 24 ever again. So there are no second chances. Uh, and so, you know, you really have to like, you can make changes from year to year, but you do need to want to use your one life to do everything you've ever wanted to do and chase it all. And so for me, that's like family, work, good health, adventure, love, friends, all of these things. And I may not be doing, you know, all of these things every year and will always be shifting, but I do want to like come out of my years on the planet thinking like, you know, wow, I really lived life and it was on my own terms in my own way and like come out of, you know, the whole journey, whenever that's going to be feeling like I'm not going to, you know, feel any sort of regrets or this need to like apologize to anyone about the way I led my life. So that's something that really, really pushes me to like live life on purpose. And so it's a lot of, you know, so much of our conversation we're having right now, it comes back to like introspection, really own like what is important to you um, and like recognize those differences and surround yourself by people who think differently as well. Like I've met a lot of people in my life um, and have had, you know, very close relationships with very different kinds of people. Um, and for some people, you know, they want to help people at a micro level. 
Um, so, you know, in their day to day, treat people nicely, be a good human being. Um, and others want to do something, you know, do that, but also focus on a macro level, creating change. Um, and, and, you know, I both are equally challenging and we need both kinds of people. Um, and I realized like very on in my life that I want to really help people on a larger scale, you know, fight and change systems that have not served us all. Um, it just, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like really empowered and like in control. Um, and so it's really about like recognizing those differences in yourself and other people um, and just like accepting it for what it is and then making sure it's aligned with all the experiences you you chase. That's what I fundamentally think like drives me um, in my life to, to live deliberately. Mm -hmm. And with intention, right? This deeply resonates with me at a fundamental level. <laughs> like being able to, you said it, being able to come come through and just know that you did everything within your capacity to live like a full wholesome life where you know you're able to love and to serve others to serve your community to serve the world at large and i th you know the reason i started the podcast was to share the stories of of people who i felt were living life intentionally and by their own definition of of what being purpose-driven meant to them right mm -hmm. and i think when you're deeply in tune with that why and that you know how you're contributing at a higher level it, it helps you continue and persist and persist on your journey too because Absolutely. it's not it's not easy <laughs> it's, it's not easy yeah, at all but. definitely not like i think everyone despite how difficult or different everyone's journey is like it's mm -hmm. inherently like you know challenging whether you choose to be a stay-at-home mom, for instance, or, you know, um, be a, a single parent or a, a breadwinner or really devote your career to uh, your life to your career. Like, they're all like choices we make, um, but it's, they're difficult in their own ways and present, you know, its own journey. Um, and I think it's, it's really like, it's important to surround, I think something that's really been fundamental to um, my wiring and just like how I navigate my life is trying to make sure I surround myself by different people. Um, who think differently have like it's it's a lot of it is like the reason why I'm so passionate about the dialogue exchange but it's like mm. this feeling of like you know we're living in these echo chamber worlds especially with like everything that's happening with you know social media and just like we're we're, see we're in such a controlled environment with all the information we're seeing um, and so like it's more important than it has ever been before uh, to surround yourself by people with different viewpoints who can really challenge you on your thinking present a different perspective um, and so we really really need to surround ourselves by people who um, are not going to be like yes men and women and just right. read what we're saying but um i think that's another very very important piece in terms of uh like living a higher level sort of life it's it's um constantly being exposed to different viewpoints and, and thinking to expand your own viewpoint um and like like help you be and do better Mm -hmm. and i think that's why travel like i i will stand by travel being as like probably you know, besides coming from immigrant parents, the thing that has been incredibly formative um, to life experiences, because, you know, surrounding yourself with different people, sometimes you can get from, you know, different countries, but you can't get in your own city. And so, like, if you need access to different people, if you need access to rooms, if you need access to, you know, what this culture can offer, get out of your city and try that out for 
you know, whether you're visiting or moving there, um, moving there for a year or two years or whatever. Huge difference. Yeah, I cannot agree more. I mean, for me, um, that's basically what sparked starting the dialogue exchange with my co-founder. It was really like us taking a pass at solving, at least in part, this huge problem we saw in the world growing up um, as, you know, third culture kids. This problem being like, like the lack of, um, I guess like the difference in perspectives and the gap in sort of knowledge and understanding. Um, and I recognize, I think when I moved to Ontario and I met a lot of kids in smaller, um, you know, suburban cities uh, who didn't have the means or the ability to travel. Um, that's when I recognized just how limiting that is to your worldview. Mm-hmm. And even right. though we have like, you know, the internet and there are places you can go to find this information, um, it's not, you know, people more often than not will not, you know, they won't go out of their way uh, to seek that information. Um, and I don't blame them because there's so many other competing priorities and activities. Um, but that's really, you know, something that drove a lot of the dialogue exchange. It was like, how can we create these forums um, within people's communities? So, you know, meet people where they are and connect them with different stakeholders within their community and elsewhere uh, to really advance like the progress on a specific social problem. So for instance, if it was like mental health and illness, you know, um, bringing people from the clinical and academic sides with like maybe, um, you know, like mental health tech startups and like government, government, uh, government officials who are working towards like changing public health policies, like bringing all these different stakeholders um, in a room physically and getting them to share their perspective or their opinions with this end goal of reaching some sort of um, amicable like settlement or agreement. Like it's so, so important to do that now more than ever before with, with the, you know, social and political problems we're seeing in the world. Uh, So this all comes back to like, you know, like I love what you said about travel. uh, And if that is what not within your means, like it's so important still to seek those spaces or those conversations or those people um, that can help you expand that worldview. Um, because that's really what is, you know, fundamentally, um, as it's just so important and critical to growth as an individual. I agree. I a hundred percent agree Tashala. And, um, you know, as we wrap up, I'd really love for you. I mean, you did give us uh, book recommendations, <laughs> um, but like what's a resource and, and you talked also about uh, a career coach, which I find fascinating so if there's any like books podcasts a person that has really impacted you you know the most and you feel has really led you on this journey or even has helped you build this mind this powerful mindset that you have uh right now i'd really love you to explain and 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 tell us why yeah so i think uh okay in terms of resources uh Mm -hmm. i Oh my God, I consume so much content from so many different people. I actually, I really look at inspiration. Um, for, like I, I don't look at one person or one book or one podcast as being my source of inspiration. I just like, I pull from so much and I like follow so many different people that I look up to and then sort of, um, you know, take a little piece from each one of them. Um, so there's so much like out there. And I would say like for people who are looking for, you know, resources or people to follow or journeys to get inspired by, um, really like, you know, pick a mixed like range of individuals from different walks of life and like really, um, challenge yourself to, uh, like to find a new person or a new book or some new sort of perspective every week to kind of get on board and, uh, and immerse yourself in. So for me, in terms of like people, 
I think every person I've crossed paths with has influenced me in some way or the other, um, like literally every single person. And to be honest, I think people I've had negative interactions with have given me like the biggest push to start mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Um, they're not the reason why I do what I do every day, but I'd highly recommend that to like to anyone listening, like people who say you can't do something or belittle you or make you feel bad. You know, it's, it's so powerful to channel that, that feeling that you have um, and make that a reason to push you to start, but do not make that the reason why you do what you do for the rest of your life. Cause that mm-hmm. causes more harm than you think. Um, so yeah. So I think in general, like I gained so much inspiration from everyone I meet in terms of a book that I have personally found. I'm very, very inspiring. Uh, it would be a book called the art of choosing um, by a wonderful woman named Sheena Iyengar. She's actually a professor of business at the Columbia Business School in New York. Um, and it was a book that I found on my parents' bookshelf that they recommend I read. Um, and it truly, truly like changed some sort of wiring in my brain. Mm-hmm. The whole book is around like choice. Um, she's known as being the choice expert. And she explores in her book in so many different ways um, the concept of choice and just how powerful it is and how every single choice we make defines us and shapes our lives. Um, and so she explores like how and why we choose, why do we sometimes, you know, choose against our best interest, um, the control mm. we have as individuals over our choices. And since reading the book, I remind myself frequently in like any situation, good or bad, um, that this situation is the direct outcome of a choice I made. And it just brings mm. like, so much power back wow. Yeah, um, because choice is like a very you know complex topic, and your your the choices you make are sometimes very much influenced by your surroundings and your walk of life and your background. Um, so I just like you know I I feel a, str- a certain sense of privilege that I have that I'm in a position to make certain choices for myself. Um, but reading the book also just helped me appreciate different people's choices. Like I remember maybe in my like early, early 20s, like uh, 2021 coming out of university, like I would get easily like aggravated or like feel kind of flustered if I met someone who I felt was not you know, leveraging their full potential or like <laughs> hardest. Yeah. I, I work hard and I feel I really truly believe so much in so many people. So every time I meet someone who's not pushing their, you know, um, like their limits to yeah. achieve something or to really like see what their potential is, I used to feel very like aggravated and agitated. Uh, and then I read this book and I was, it just put everything into perspective. Like, you know, that's their personal choice. Um, mm-hmm. and that makes them happy. And that, if that is, you know, their choice and makes them happy, then there's no reason why I should have an issue with it. And it's really made me appreciate that. So like when I meet different men and women who make choices that are different to mine, um, it just makes me appreciate them even more because I realize like that's the choice they made within the context and, and constraints of their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope people look at, you know, my choices in a similar way, but just like the power of choice, like any, any book or resource that reminds me of like the power I have as an individual or brings that power back to me. Um, I always just like reread those books and resources again and again, because I just think it's such an important reminder uh, that you can, you know, pull yourself out of any situation and similarly, like put yourself into any situation by making simple day to day and sometimes, you know, big high stake choices. Um, So those are definitely two, um, a a book and like in terms of like a person, everyone, like literally everyone you meet 
will impact you in some way. Um, and that's why it's really awesome to like, you know, even if you're on the TTC, for instance, and you strike a conversation with the person next to you, um, there's just like the, so much you can learn. Anything can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I've and been so much more, um, I've just allowed myself to just strike up a conversation with anyone. Like I'll notice too, like yeah. when you're getting into an elevator and people will pull out their phones while they're in the elevator and then as soon as they get out, they'll put their phone away. I'm like, you just lost so many opportunities to connect with someone, mm -hmm. learn something. And so now when I'm on the bus, when I'm, you know, on a plane, like you open yourself up to anything being possible. I mean, yeah. like, I found my, my, my closest friends today is by striking up a conversation that was completely unassuming. Oh my God, yes. Something else that you could have never even imagined so yeah I know and it's like we're hiding behind our screens so often which is just like it's you know I, and, I, and this is coming from someone who works in technology which is why <laughs> I'm about voice technology because I actually think voice technology and like you know our Google assistants and Alexa is like they're actually in some ways like reversing how we've been traditionally behaving like we're not mm -hmm. it's pushing us to be more social right um and that's an awkward experience like I remember first using like my my Siri or my voice assistant on my phone at an airport and I felt really awkward because I was like this is strange like I'm talking <laughs> out loud and like and just like you know it's it's great that um technology companies are recognizing that and making changes around like digital well-being like you know today almost any mainstream phone that you have whether it's your iPhone or your Google Pixel whatever the phone is like there are um you know features and functionalities now embedded into these devices to control our experience a little more and like um you know like it was timers that you can set on apps or you know um different toolings that allow you to spend less time on your phones like it's not perfect and there's so much more work we can do but it's a start and I think like to your point it's it's about time we stop hiding behind our screens uh, <laughs> and put our phones away when we don't need them and instead like converse with the people around us like and that's really why I'm more I'm just so so passionate about making sure that I'm actively in getting involved in the technology sector and contributing to you know um like technology, especially artificial intelligence, it's going to like reshape how our future of work and society kind of operates and functions. But it's even more so important um, to stay close to my community for that reason, so that I don't lose sight of the challenges, you know, how, what's really happening in the real world. Um, and I don't lose, you know, um, that sense of sort of sanity. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's a very important balance that I, I try to strike between technology and community and making sure um, they're both constantly working hand in hand mm -hmm. as they should be they should be working hand in hand right and so yeah. to have people like you who are cognizant who are in both rooms who you know you're very engaged at the community level and then you're in you know big rooms big discussions which you know and having these discussions they're they are definitely going to change the way that we as a society are run so to to be able to have that control at a very early stage in the game is incredible and i admire you yeah. for it and i mean like one thing i will say to to end is that like you know i'm not perfect i'm <laughs> and i'm trying every day to continue to like to, coming back to what we were talking about earlier like continue to align like what you preach right. think mm -hmm. and you act um you know make sure it's all in harmony um but the the one thing that i think is so important is just like as human beings to to care um, and I care like so, so deeply about everything we've discussed. And I'm also very ambitious. And it's because of that, 
um, that, you know, I have this feeling of like, I'm enough, like I'm exactly where I need to be, who I need to be to pursue everything I'm working on and chasing. And I really like, uh, through, you know, to be through being on podcasts like yours, like, I really want more people to know that and see that especially more women. Um, because that's when we'll see more of us who have that sense of wanting to do something in this way, uh, come up and rise. It's when you truly feel like, you know, you are more than enough, you're more than capable, like you have all the tools and knowledge you need at this point in your life to do what you're doing, if not more. Um, I think that's like a very important, like I've heard that from women in my career. Um, and I've, it's been so fundamental to like how much I've been, um, open to just pursuing new experiences when you're told that, you know what, Trish, you're, you're, per you're great as you are for this mm -hmm. role. You can really like handle this. You do not need to push yourself and go above and beyond. Like you're fine as is like, mm -hmm. it's really important to hear that. Cause sometimes we hold ourselves to like such a high standard and ridiculous um, standards of that too. Yeah, and we think we need to be like, you know, so intelligent and so, and I, I look around me sometimes and like in tech and otherwise, or even, I mean, it's not hard to look around us today and see people in positions of power and think like, what, what is in them that allows them to be in that position, right? And so I think it's more important than ever before to, to recognize that like you might not know everything, but mm. what you know is enough to like make a start and get you closer to where you want to be. And I think it's it's all in like starting. Um, mm. The beauty is in starting and then it sort of just sustains itself from there. Of course, you need to motivate yourself throughout the whole journey, uh, surround yourself with the right people who push you. But the starting point is really this understanding of like, I think I have everything I need. And I think I'm exactly where I need to be uh, to pursue this. Um, that's a really, really important learning for me. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's a journey. It's a process, right? And so Absolutely. that, and it's, you know, I think we do, you mentioned it right at the beginning that we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have it all figured out. But, you know, one thing that I've definitely learned in conversations with people who you know you kind of think from the outside they have it all figured out in those very honest and raw conversations they're like oh, I'm still figuring it out I do not have all the answers and that really like cracked my mind right open to you know not everything is as it seems right and we're all what I admire most in people and I'll continue to say this is the folks that are doing their best with where they are right now the resources they have at hand like they're bringing everything to the table, right? Yeah. And I think that's, we really owe it to ourselves to just like do our best. And if yeah. that's not enough, that's okay. But, mm. but like you owe it. At the it is end. though. It is. It it's is. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, like, you know, in few cases, once you, if you do your best, like you're still doing something mm. uh, and that's still more than enough than, you know, not doing anything at all or not trying. Um, and so like, I, yeah, like I completely hear you on, on like, it's, which is why I'm so glad that you asked me to be a part of your podcast. Cause I think the whole topic and like, you know, the power of that, why it's just, mm. it's so, so critical to explore that as individuals and collectively, um, to, in order to like advance our progress on particular social topics or even just like, you know, internal conflicts. And when you align on that, why, um, so much just comes into perspective. Um, and then it's also like, yeah, like, like that why can change and that's okay as well. I know my why today is probably very different from what it was at different points in my life. Um, but that's like the beauty of it. That why is going to change or even if the why is the same, like how you get there might change. Mm. You have to always, you know, stay open to possibilities, to experiences, um, to people, uh, to so many different, different things. 
Agreed. And thank you. And the final question on the power of why, which you touched on is, you know, what's your why, Trishala? What do you strongly believe that you were meant to do during your time here? I think my why is to leave the world, like, I'm going to say X percent better than it was when I got here through a direct contribution, like through something I built or was a part of. Um, I'm really passionate about like systemic change. And I really want to be a part of molding and shaping our systems that have not traditionally served, um, you know, as many people as it could. Uh, I want to be a part of that. And I really think that's what motivates me like every day. Um, And just like having it comes back to like, I guess where we started talking about like that third culture lens. I've Mm. I've seen um, so many different social topics, like just like so many different challenges. Like, you know, uh, it's ironic, like today I work in the voice technology like sector and I'm, you know, helping people ask their voice assistant to play their favorite music. And then, you know, similarly, in other parts of the world, like people don't even have access to internet still or human rights, right? So it really puts things into perspective. And I'm very cognizant of that every day. Like, you know, while I live a very privileged life here in Canada, like I know there are people back home, say the Middle East or Asia, um, who don't have those privileges. And every day is a constant struggle. And I think if I'm in a position to influence some level of change, um, and that is something that is very um, motivating for me. And I really do want to, uh, you know, collect and have as much influence as possible so that I can one day, um, you know, shape a system, um, not just a program or an initiative, but be a part of shaping a system that can um, scale and help as many people as possible. So that's definitely um, my why. Thank you. I can't thank you enough, but thank you for, you know, showing up as you, Thank you for being community focused and values aligned. Um, thank you for sharing your journey when it comes to, you know, your why and keeping your why and your vision at the forefront when making decisions and how you intentionally lead, you know, a purpose-driven life. I appreciate you so much, Shashala. <laughs> um, and I hope that hosting this podcast. I mean, when we connected, I just instantly felt um like so connected to you and sam because i I saw Mm -hmm. so much of myself um at that age like in in the two of you like just how you go after what you want and Mm -hmm. the kind of time like everything you're doing it takes time and effort um so i'm yeah i'm super proud of everything both of you are doing i i want to get to know you guys more closely and support the work that you're doing but it's incredible and i i really think um you should give yourself a huge pat on the back for um you know how many people you're inspiring through the work that you do thank you i appreciate it and i and i trust that you know people listening definitely took some things that they can apply into their own life and so that's a wrap. That's a wrap for episode 25. You are listening to Trishala Palai and Naomi Haile, and we'll see you in the next one.